Welcome back. In this segment, we're going to talk about what happens when you call 988. So Shannon, I don't know about you, but I feel a lot of time we talk about goals and concepts and ideas. Sometimes it's helpful to do a real life scenario. So how does 988 actually work? What will happen if I call? Will you walk me through a real world scenario? Absolutely, Ron. And I think it's so important not only for our listeners who might use this in their work, but also for anyone who might need to reach out to 988 for support and help. So how can I reach 988? Is it phone only? There's multiple ways that you can reach out to 988. You can call 988 by dialing it from your cell phone or landline, but you can also text 988 or you can even chat via the Lifeline's website, which is at 988lifeline.org. Does it cost the caller or texter or chatter anything? No. And this is so important for people to understand. The support and services from 98 Crisis Counselors is provided free of charge. Aside from any standard messaging and data rates that might apply to those who text to 988 from their mobile phone, all of those services and supports are free. I also want to emphasize that this is a confidential resource for people to use. That's really important for people to know because a lot of people who are seeking support really aren't sure what they're looking for sometimes, or they want it to remain confidential in order to talk to people about how they're feeling or what their options are. We want people to feel comfortable and confident that they're going to get that immediate crisis intervention support, but that it's also going to remain confidential. It's so important that people trust the system. Yes. Callers to the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline and the information shared by the callers, as I mentioned before, is going to be confidential. However, there are a few scenarios, and again, this is really important for people to understand because we want people to be making informed decisions and for there not to be any surprises when they're contacting this hotline. If during the call, the 988 staff believes that the person calling is at imminent risk, they may determine that it is necessary to contact local emergency response services and to initiate an active rescue. All of this information can be found on SAMHSA's website as well as the Lifeline's website about their imminent risk policy. These instances are very rare, but in these rare instances, the 988 call center may provide whatever available information they have to 911 that is critical to saving that caller's life. Thank you, Shannon, for detailing that. Can you walk me through exactly what happens when a person calls 988? Of course. First, When you dial 988, you're going to hear a message that you've reached the lifeline so that you know you're in the right place. Then you're going to hear different options. If you're a veteran, you can press 1 to reach the Veterans Crisis Line. Or you can press 2 to reach the Spanish sub-network or lifeline. And Spanish isn't the only language that they offer support in. There are other languages that they will offer support in, but you will want to reach that through the regular lifeline by not pressing either of those buttons. If you don't select either option, a trained crisis counselor will answer. I'm saying all of this to stress that you will get an answer no matter what number you push. Sometimes there will be a wait, but the network is going to respond to your call as soon as a crisis counselor is available. When the counselor is connected to you, they will listen to you to understand how your problem is affecting you or your loved one. 
if you are a loved one, if you are a family support person, you can actually call this number on behalf of the person you feel is in crisis and get some information about how to support them. The counselor is going to provide you with support, talking to you, listening to you, and possibly also share resources and referrals to how you can continue to get support after that call. Let me follow up on that. Who is the counselor? Are they trained? Are there training requirements? Staff are trained to support anyone in crisis. Now, all Lifeline Network call centers are required to meet specific standards regarding suicide risk assessments and imminent risk interventions. But each Lifeline-affiliated call center may develop additional trainings for crisis counselors to meet organizational needs or to meet other standards that they're either their city, their county, or their state may place on them. And expanded Lifeline trainings are being implemented right now to ensure 988 call centers can provide appropriate, culturally competent care, specifically focused on communities that are at higher risk for suicide, such as youth. These trainings and standards are incredibly important to the system's success and to getting people the help that they need. And Shannon, can you talk more to that, to the referrals, to additional help? What does that mean? How are counselors connecting people to care? In some communities, the crisis line may be able to connect you to additional services or follow-up to ensure that you are connected to that care. But it's important to note that right now, not all communities have this capacity. The system will work differently in different communities based on the resources and efforts at the state and local level to take advantage of 988. Some have incorporated 988 into existing systems and some have built out new systems. Others are considering incorporating with 911, but what we are outlining during this session is generally what you can expect when you dial 988. Let's talk a bit more about how we're working to build up that capacity. Absolutely. There's a lot more work to be done. NAMI's involved at the local, state, and national advocacy efforts to connect the 988 Lifeline with a continuum of in-person crisis services, which we're going to get into more deeply in another episode. But the services that we're advocating for are mobile crisis teams and crisis stabilization centers, so that individuals who may need more support that can't be provided over the phone uh, can get the care that they need. Unfortunately, these services are not available in all communities right now, and will take time to develop, but we're committed to making that work. What is available, again, is going to be based on the funding at the state and local level and how your local governments have leveraged or enhanced crisis services in their communities and where folks are on their crisis response journey. Some communities are establishing or enhancing mental health services that don't involve law enforcement, and some are looking to support existing CIT or co-response effort and to build out new crisis stabilization centers that serve both law enforcement and non-law enforcement response needs. And some places like Virginia and Washington State are working statewide to fund services throughout this continuum, which we'll talk about more in another episode. Shannon, thank you for all of this. And we're looking forward to doing more of that work together. We'll have more on that continuum of care in a later session. But in our next session, we're going to dive into what happened on July 16th of this year. 